Welcome to the Real Life Webinar. Whether you're experiencing hardship, searching for encouragement and motivation, or simply want a refreshing reminder that you're not alone, we are so glad that you're here. Our hope is that you'll find these discussions about real life topics helpful and discover practical ways to apply this information and advice to your life. We are here to help you find real solutions to real problems. Welcome to Real Life, presented by Chestnut Ridge Church. I'm your host, Jim Matuga. Today on Real Life, we'll be discussing the challenges, issues, concerns, and all sorts of things facing marriages today. And then we'll give some biblical, professional, and practical advice to help you move forward and grow. And we have a great panel of experts lined up for you today. First of all, we have Joanne Fry. Joanne is a licensed professional counselor and co-founder of Stillwater Counseling in Morgantown, West Virginia. Joanne, thanks for being on our panel. Thanks, Jim, for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, me too. That's so so good. Next, we have Al Kasperwitz. Al is a licensed psychologist and also co-founder of Stillwater Counseling. Al, it's great to have you with us. Yes, for me too. It's great to be a part. Thanks, Jim. Yes, sir. And last but not least, my friend Travis Watson. Travis is a licensed professional counselor and clinician at Stillwater Counseling. Travis, we're glad you're here as well. Thanks, Jim. Honored to be asked to be part of this. Yeah, me. I think it's awesome, and I just uh, I'm just glad that you're all here uh, today on this on this episode. You know, you might be watching this episode alone because you want to save your marriage, and that's okay. Or you might be watching with your spouse on a date night. However, you're coming to this episode, we're just glad you're joining us. And before we get started and diving into our topic today, uh, I'd like to just get us started uh, in a little prayer to open this session. Let's bow our heads. Uh, Lord, you're just, we're just so grateful to have this opportunity to come around this webinar uh, platform today to talk about marriage. You know, you say uh, and instruct us in Romans 12 that we must uh, love each other, that love must be sincere. Uh, to hate what is evil and cling to what is good, that we should be devoted to one another and love and honor one another above ourselves. And Lord, that's what we're just hoping to do today, just to, to honor you by having this important discussion about marriage. And no matter how the folks that are listening to this or coming to this meeting, uh, whether their marriage is in distress, uh, it's on the verge of divorce, or if it's thriving and, and exceedingly abundant and, and blessing, uh, Lord, we just ask that you uh, surround us uh, during this time, that you give us wisdom uh, and discernment to understand the, the steps that we should take, not only to, to honor each other and love each other, but to most importantly, honor you and lift you up and love you. Lord, uh, we are so grateful again for this opportunity. We just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, guys, uh, thank you again for, for coming to, uh, to the call here today. And I'd just like to kick off our first real-life question with Joanne. Uh, and, and Joanne, you know, I think there's a lot of people out there uh, that are facing a lot of issues right now. What are some of the things, the real-life challenges that you're seeing uh, with couples uh, in your practice and just in life in general? How, how, is that, uh, how are those issues coming, uh, presenting themselves to you right now? Yeah, Jim. Um, I think we're we're seeing a lot of the same struggles that have always always been there. Um, it's just been intensified by a really difficult year, and then we also have some new struggles, very much specific to the pandemic. Um, I think, for me personally, what I'm seeing, and a, 
I'd say practice model what we're seeing is definitely an increase in anxiety, depression, substance use, abuse. Um, and I think that's just the, sim I mean, secondary or kind of the, the manifestation of people being really socially isolated um, or grieving the fact that their life has changed. They're not able to do the things that they once enjoyed. Um, I think there's financial fear, uh, job security, concerns about um, just economics in general. Um, yeah. And then a big one I think we're seeing with couples, especially with kids, is just this challenge of navigating um, schedules. School's at home, we're working from home, it's super chaotic, uh, we're adjusting constantly to that. And that has been a huge stressor <laughs> that I'm seeing with married couples with children. Um, there's a lot of quality time I mean, not, or there's a lack of quality time, rather. It's, there's a lot uh, increase in time spent together in the house, but I think there's a decrease in quality time, just no boundaries and uh, everybody's kind of step on each other's toes. And No doubt. That, that can only put a lot of pressure on relationships, I can just imagine. I mean, I know just in, my, in our home, just my wife, Rebecca, and I, I mean, it's just you know, we, we can't get away from each other necessarily. Like yeah. you said, to go out and do our hobbies and do the things we want to do and socialize and things like that. Al, what are, what are you seeing out there uh, in the world as it, as it relates to um, uh, marital issues and relationship issues? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting, Jim, and kind of preparing for this spot. One of the things I thought I would do is just take a look at any studies or surveys that have been conducted yeah. on marital satisfaction. And what's interesting, kind of picking up on, on Joanne's thrust, and I'm sure what Travis will share is that because we are practitioners in this area, those individuals who are most adversely affected by the pandemic are the ones that we see, and especially in the areas that Joanne spoke of. Um, but what I'm going to share with you will not necessarily be surprising, but will also lend a kind of an interesting perspective on this as well. Yes. So um, what I'm going to share with you all briefly um, came from a report that was published in November, and it was out of the Indiana University um, Kinsey Institute, which does a lot of surveys and research with regard to marital satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll share these kind of quick hitters with you guys just to get your sense of it. Um, they said that of the 1,117 married couples that they interviewed, and they were roughly ages 30 to 50, I believe, 63% um, of those who participated in the survey um, indicated that the pandemic was definitely stressing their family. 54% mm -hmm. agreed it was testing their marriage and 35 agreed it was restraining or straining their relationships with their spouse. 21% agreed it was damaging their marriage. 20% agreed it was causing them to question their marriage at all. And 16% agreed it was causing them to think about separation or divorce. So that's the downside, obviously, and consistent with the manifestations, as Joanne was saying, we'd see in our, in our practice. This is the other kind of sobering, um, but in a very positive way. Um, and as I was reading those previous statistics, they were like 63% and under. It's interesting to hear this. 74% of the participants agreed that the pandemic strengthened their marriage and 82% agreed it made them feel more committed to their marriage. 85% agreed the pandemic had helped them appreciate their spouse more, helping them appreciate what a good life they had before the pandemic and was bringing their family together. So it's interesting, you'll sometimes hear this, that for some individuals who have a, a, a great relationship or a stable relationship, there are aspects of the proximity and the shared time, even in the midst of the difficulties that have them feeling more appreciative of 
what they're sharing and experiencing. And then there are those, again, without judgment, <laughs> um, who are experiencing hardship that are markedly affecting more ad adversarial qualities, things of greater conflict, things of greater weight in terms of their experiences. Yeah. Well, I could just, I think about what you're saying there, Al, is, is, is really interesting. And I think that, you know, without a doubt, we've experienced mass change this time last year, you know, in, in the beginning part of, of 2020, none of, none of us could have expected the way the year was going to go. Right. And play out and everything was disrupted. And when you talk about change, change is stressful enough, but when you have mass disruption of everything, like Joe Ann said, you know, with regard to schools being shut down and, you know, teaching your kids from home and people working from home, both spouses trying to find space where they could do their work and, you know, raise their kids and, you know, all that kind of stuff. It was just a massive disruption. And so is it, is that the case where, you know, change is stressful anyway, but mass disruption is even more chaotic. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I, I definitely believe that's the case. And, and um, again, the intensity, but the widespread nature yes. of what you're experiencing. Um, there are times where it as we reflect on this, the pandemic obviously affects issues of health and changes in resources allocation. But I think there are things as we've experienced that we did not anticipate um, would be affected by this. Um, one of the things that Jan Joanne talks about is just the experience of loss. And among the individuals who have actually lost loved ones, oh, yeah. the idea of not being with them during that period of time. And on a selected occasion, you've heard about a particular manifestation of illness where it wasn't feasible or helpful for someone to be nearby, but we're experiencing that on a mass scale. Um, and then other aspects of loss in terms of families not being able to get together for uh, graduations or even marriages to the same extent. So there's mm -hmm. some really like more subtle, but profoundly affected breadth to the impact of the pandemic. Yeah, it's interesting. So you're not maybe, maybe not just mourning the loss of a loved one, but loss of the way your way of life almost. Right. And, yes. and that's, that's a, that's a, a very interesting take on that. Travis, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, some of the things you're seeing out there with regard to uh, challenges that couples are facing right now, especially in marriage. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Jim. Uh, a lot of times I'll, I'll kind of, break my marriage counseling down into two sections. You know, there's the, there's the tactical department and the business operations kind of deal. And then there's the romance. And uh, what I see in most couples in their uh, tactical and operations department is uh, this space kind of being condensed for us to be around each other so often and, and, and so much time a week that we're not used to uh, scorekeeping has gone way up in relationships. I've, I've seen a lot more of, you know, well, I do this, this, and this, and, you know, he or she should be doing this, this, or that. Um, and just kind of holding on to that and that builds resentment in relationships. So uh, seeing a lot more of that and less good communication. Um, so communication and, and working on those kinds of skills have been way up for me. Uh, and then in the romance department, you know, we're not really able to, to go out for date night and, you know, go to the nice restaurant and, you know, dress up and, and, take each other out as much as we, as much as we used to. Um, so I've really been, you know, a lot of focus in that department on creativity and like, what can we do at home? And uh, I challenge a lot of my, my clients, you know, bring out that inner high schooler and really, uh, really kind of try to jazz up the, the romance in the house with creativity as you can. 
Yeah, that's awesome. And I'd like to dive into that here in a second. And we start talking about, you know, how we can correct some of these things that are, that are out there happening. But I love that, uh, that, uh, that visual that you just gave Travis of uh, channeling your inner high school student. I think that's <laughs> awesome. I think it's, 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 I just, I had a real fast vision there that I got to make sure I say, you know, hold on to uh, for later this weekend. <laughs> that was, that was really good. You know, I think about, um, you know, uh, I, I kind of referred to Romans 12 there uh, in, in my opening prayer because that's one of it was kind of neat. Uh, a couple of years ago at Chestnut Ridge Church, uh, one of the pastors had challenged us to read Romans 12 every day for a month. And Rebecca and I did that for a month. And so that's one of my favorite uh, chapters um, of the Bible. And, and it, it's kind of neat because there's a uh, one of the verses talks about being joyful in hope and patient in, afflicts, in affliction. And I think about that affliction and, and what you guys really are talking about. It kind of maybe that's the right. I think that's the right word. Affliction is kind of that that pain that you're going through, those trials that, that you're, you're going through. And I think patience uh, leads a lot to that. And I think that, you know, we're trying to uh, remain joyful, right? I mean, life is, life is tough. Marriage is tough, right? I mean, being in any kind of relationship is, 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 can be a tough thing, but, but there's a lot of joy in it too, right? And that's, I think that's, you know, when it comes to the spirituality of marriage, I think that, that God wants us to have a relationship with him and he wants us to love other people and especially our spouse. And you know, so I think about, you know, Al, jo- Joanne, uh, Travis, what you guys were talking about, kind of setting up some of these challenges. I think it's, uh, it's really interesting because I feel that. I see it in my friends, you know, uh, my, my uh, companions that I, that I interact with on a regular basis, my little community. Uh, even in our home group, you see that, you know, kind of that, uh, that angst and a little bit of uh, strife that people are going through. What are some things that, you know, practically that we can be doing uh, to address this? In other words, from, from the professional side and with, with regard to how you guys uh, counsel uh, clients and, and the, uh, patients in your, in your practice at Stillwater, uh, but also like things that, uh, you know, that are simple to do, like the it, channeling your inner high school uh, student, you know, and, and bringing that romance back into to the re- relationship. I'd love to hear your, some of your all's thoughts on some practical uh, takeaways that we can, you know, really address these things. Yeah, I can, I can speak to that first. I think it's so um, just specific to uh, whatever kind of how whatever presents or the presenting concern. Um, I think people often come to marriage counseling with a very specific focus on a symptom. You know, my partner's drinking too much. I, we have our communications horrible. The conflict is crazy. Um, yeah. We're lacking intimacy physically, emotionally. Um, and, and I think we have various approaches for communicate for all of those different areas specific, um, specifically and, and very evidence-based treatment specific to addiction. I think that a lot of times it's, it's individual struggles that end up showing up in, in marriage counseling. And um, I think we have a lot of, a lot of different approaches that, it's, it's, it's probably hard to name them all uh, or here or so, without having kind of the specific, um, I guess, struggles. Sure. Well, well, Joanne, so, so just kind of back up for a second, because you, okay. you, know, you said something there that was really interesting because, you know, a marriage is made up of two individuals, right? And they have to both be strong and self-care 
is something I've learned that you have to take care of, right? That you have to take care of yourself in order that you can be strong partner in a relationship. Is that, um, can, can you maybe talk a little bit about that? And from, cause you, you kind of hit on that with regard yeah. to the individual. Yeah. So the analogy I, I love the best when I talk, when I talk with couples are individual, I use a bank account analogy. So I use our individual accounts and then our joint accounts. So if you think about it, um, you look at yourself individually. What are my deposits? What are my withdrawals? I think identifying those, my partner, what's their deposits and withdrawals? I think it's very important that we're aware of our own needs um, and what depletes us. And, and then we're aware of our partners. And that like, especially during a time like this where things are strained and things are changing and there's unpredictability with the future and when is it ever going to change? I think we have to communicate more about that because those deposits and withdrawals change based on the seasons that we're in. You know, um, we have to be more intentional about depositing in the times where we're experiencing more depletion. Um, and then when we get to the joint account, that's the really fun one for me. Um, I typically even give that as an assignment where I will have couples talk about deposits, which are things that make them feel more connected and more loved. Um, and then to identify the withdrawals, Hey, when you, when this happens or that happens, or we're not spending a lot of time together or we're communicating in this way, or, um, those are withdrawals. So I would think, I think that's a very like practical, uh, yeah. kind of homework assignment or it would increase like self-awareness. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And, and at the, at the same time, it's not a scorecard, right, Travis? Like yeah. you're talking about, we're not, it, it's making those deposits and making sure that we're not overdrafting our account, uh, emotional bank account, maybe if you will. Right. Uh, but I, but I think about um, what you're saying there and, and, and I can't help, but you know, kind of draw this uh, parallel that, you know, we've got to, we've got to take care of each other. We've got to take care of ourselves. Uh, as, as well. And understanding that, like you said, the self-awareness of that and how, where are we standing, you know, it, it, with, with regard to taking care of ourselves and yeah. taking care of each other. Travis, it sounds like you want to chime in on that. <laughs> yeah. I, so Joanne and I use very similar, I think, analogies for that. I, I use, uh, I show a picture of a teepee and I'll say, you know, this is like a codependent relationship. Everything's just leaning on each other. Yeah. Um, and that's not really ideal. You know, I, I don't know many teepees that have been standing for, for centuries and centuries, but if we want to look architecturally, like what we want to kind of relationship you want to have, I look at like the Parthenon in, in Greece, right? And that's, that's been standing for thousands of years and it's built of these strong individual columns, you know, that have really held the structure for like through the test of time. So, mm. so yeah, really taking care of, you know, knowing what keeps you a strong individual in the marriage. Um, and uh, it's, it, it's been said to me um, in this way is, you know, you know, really seeking, seeking Christ in that way, um, putting, putting Christ, putting God first, you know, uh, even, even before family. And I know that sometimes, you know, people will hear that and they'll, they might get their yeah. stomach turned a little bit, like, how do yeah. I put something in front of my family? Exactly. Um, but being, seeking God in that way and seeking that relationship. I mean, I, I really haven't seen many people who do that, that don't also experience the fruits of the spirit of having a closer relationship with their wife or their husband yeah. with their kids as well. So that's um, so good. That's so good. Yeah. Thank you. One of those things that kind of work inversely on top of each other, you know, maybe it's like, it seems like a paradox to our, our very like uh, cultural way of looking at things, but um, I've seen it work out a lot. So. 
Yeah. Al, can you chime in and weigh in on, on yeah, you know, thoughts? It's, it's, it's neat as well as I know, um, Travis and Joanne, it's neat to hear about the conventions that they use yeah. to just offer this structure. And, and I was prompted to share one that I don't think I've shared with either one of them, <laughs> but it's along these lines that I think for some folks, because your spouse is the individual with whom you're interacting and you're considering what are my needs versus what are their needs, sometimes it feels like it's a zero sum game that I sacrifice to benefit my relationship or my spouse, or I desire that they are able to extend me a certain level of liberty or slack because I really need that right now. And unfortunately it does reinforce this, okay, it's a compromise. I give a little bit, you give a little bit. Um, and, and one of the things we're moving to in this conversation is it, these are concurrent needs for the individual, for the spouse that we love and for this context we describe as our relationship. So the analogy that I like or the metaphor is that all of us who have flown on commercial airlines will hear the flight attendant um, talk about the seat belts and everything else. And there's this line that goes like this, in the event that the cabin loses pressure, oxygen masks will extend from the overhead compartment. And they say something very interesting that everybody accepts, but I don't know if they do it in practice. They say for adults seated next to small children, first place your own mask and then assist the child next to you. Makes sense. But for any of us who are parents or just have a certain level of conscientiousness about caring for our brother or the small child from Gary, Indiana sitting next to us, that mask goes down and we're thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to help this person. And what we don't recognize is if we don't establish our connection, if we're not fed, our ability to optimally care for and love that person next to us, whether we don't know them, whether our figurative brother or whether our spouse that we love, we need to be able to establish our supply. And it's not selfish. And, and it really does point also to the next, I suppose, um, fundamental consideration we're getting into is what is it that supplies both that individual puts that mask on and is given that ability then to love and care for the person that they're in company of. Yeah, that's great. I love that, that analogy. And I think that, uh, I think we can all relate to that. You know, how often do we, do we want to help our spouse help our children, but we're not taking care of ourselves first and uh, we don't have the gas to do it. We don't have the juice, right? Because <laughs> we're wore out and we're, we're working from home and we're taking care, you know, teaching our kids all day and oh my goodness, taking care of our our pets. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a stressor in, in and of itself a lot of times, you know, so I, th I think about, you know, um, Al and, and, and Joanne and Travis, you know, uh, oftentimes, and I've, I've been there myself, uh, is where you, you reach this point in a marriage where uh, you don't feel that there is that hope. You know, you don't feel like you feel like you've run out of gas. You've, you, you don't have uh, what it takes to, to continue. And, and you're, you're, th you're thinking that this is rock bottom in the marriage and it's over. Um, I'm, I'm wondering if you guys could speak to, you know, folks who might be in that situation you know, where they're on their marriage is broken in their mind. And maybe it, it is, you know, practically uh, speaking, it is over, uh, but they're seeking that bit of hope and they come and they're, and they're expressing that the, the, the desire that they have to want to, you know, keep this marriage going and, and work on it. What, uh, what kind of um, hope or, or um, encouragement can you give to folks that maybe you've seen in your practice that in, in, in couples that you've worked with that can actually turn that around? 
Yeah. Um, Jim, first, I think I just need to say is, is that there is struggle in every, every single marriage. And I think we go through, yes. um, and for some reason, I think we often believe that like, we're the only ones that are struggling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think there are, there are seasons where, yes, it looks it's different and, um, we're thriving or we're just kind of, you know, kind of gliding along or we're really in, in conflict and, and struggling. And I think at, at the heart of, of, um, what has been the most helpful for couples for me and for specifically Christian couples, um, when they really start to be able to differentiate, Mm. um, being kind of a God, a God centered spouse or a spouse centered spouse. And this plays off of kind of what Al was saying, what Travis was saying about the kind of, we're just so in our culture, everything's like a transactional nature. It's squirkeeping. Um, I'm, I am even if we don't even as Christians and when we have relationship with God, I think kind of what our natural nature is um, is to withhold or give love based on whether or not we're getting love, and and that's why it's just basically we all fall short all the time. So that will never work. We will always run out. We will always be depleted if it's all about our spouse all the time. If they kind of dictate where we go or how healthy our relationship is. Um, so I guess a God-centered spouse, um, a God-centered spouse, again, kind of gets that. So it's more of like the vertical, that vertical relationship fuels and flows out to us to kind of, um, kind of that horizontal relationship with our partner. Um, like we feel, I think when, when God is the focus rather than our spouse being the focus in conflict, um, we're just, there's just continual motivation. There's continual, there's an abundance of grace and love and forgiveness and kindness. I think if we truly do look to, to God in those moments, um, and we, we reflect more on our commitment to God and our, and our love for God and God's love for us. I, I just think that's, that's, uh, the, that's the difference maker. I don't I know. Think, how to say it. I think it's, it's transformational. Yeah. You know? I mean, I yeah. think about I think about this a lot. Um, you know, I'm not going to say 100 percent of every single day we do this, but my wife and I pray together multiple times a day, and we read scripture together every day. And you know, there's just something about it. It doesn't even matter if you know if if I'm a little irritated with her, or she's a little irritated with me in a given day because we're not perfect, right? Uh, it, it just getting into that word centers both of us. <laughs> and then we're like, okay, all right, we got this. We could, we could go on and, and we can move uh, forward and, and love each other like we're supposed to and honor God in our marriage. And I think that's, that, that is a transformational thing. Yeah. When you put God at the center or at the top, however you want to look at it, you know, we kind of look at it in priority ranking, you know, God's number one, our marriage is number two and our children are number three and, and so on and so forth. But so others you know, put God in the center and then everything kind of goes out from there. And that's either way you look at it. I feel like that's, that's, that's an important thing. So I appreciate you sharing that, Joanne. That's, that's great insight. Uh, Travis, I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Uh, you, bringing up, uh, you know, being at that rock bottom and feeling like there's no hope um, really kind of turns me to, to Matthew 19, you know, when the, when the Pharisees come and they, they come to test Jesus about marriage. Um, and Matthew 19, 8, uh, Jesus says that he said to them, Moses, he said to them, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts permitted you to divorce your wives 
but from the beginning it was not so. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's really like yeah. kind of us as human beings left to our own devices, doing the scorekeeping, uh, kind of having that transactional relationship and allowing ourselves to feel shorted in some way. Um, we really will harden our own hearts. And, you know, how long have we let that happen? How long have we let this, this heart for each other harden? Um, and I kind of go from there to say, like, what if we spend, you know, a couple weeks, what if we spend a couple months, whatever you're willing to do, let's really try to look at this differently. And uh, like you were saying, Jim, like pointing them to, to, to Romans 12 is a really good place to go. Like, this is how to be in relationship to one another and uh, see if that doesn't soften your heart over a couple months and make yeah. you act a little bit differently and maybe yeah. show uh, a possible different future. That's awesome. I think it's, it, it all comes down to taking that step, right? You, you can't just, and I, I'm, I'm a lay person here. You guys are the professionals, but I feel like you can't just say, that's it, I'm done. You try to take that step. And it doesn't have to be a revolutionary, massive fix in you know three days. It could be just take that step right? Take that first step. I love what you said, Travis, about softening your heart. You know, we, we, as human beings, I mean, it's hard not to have a hard heart if you just, you know, yeah. open up the newspaper you know, or exactly. flip on the news. I mean, it's, it's Scroll just kind your of, phone. yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we're bombarded and, and as believers, I, I honestly believe this as, as, as Christians, we, some days I feel like when I open the, my front door and walk outside, arrows are being flung at me, you know, and, and I don't know if you guys feel that, but, but, you know, we, we've got to have you know, that, that, that full armor of God uh, is the Bible talks about and, and making sure that we are protecting not only ourselves, but our, our spouse and our, our marriage. So I, I think that's, that was really, really great insight. Al, I'd love to hear your thoughts on, on that. You know, it's interesting. Again, it's, it's, it's great just to hear how this conversation develops because um, what Joanne and Travis are speaking to is we are all Christians who are blessed to be able to work in our profession as counselors. And I think what each of our ears and hearts listen to is whether the voices and the intentions of the folks that we counsel are giving opportunity to share this remarkable um, construct of, of covenant marriage and not to be prescriptive, but to invite their consideration of what it really means as Joanne was talking about being a God-centered spouse because so much of our culture is really oriented to this transactional quality. I think Travis the other day was talking about how so many of our colleagues, excuse me, so many of our clients, even if they're individuals of faith are really wanting to understand transactionally what can you share with me and my spouse so that she can do what she needs to do and I can do what I need to do. And it's an earnest depiction of their desire. But unfortunately, it's like completely devoid of what is it that I can receive of God in this remarkable covenant relationship I have and what it means. So I'd I'd love just to take a couple seconds to share that with you um, because part of it is also, even among believers, what's reinforced in the marriage process often is my vows to my spouse. Mm-hmm. And it is earnest. It's intentional. I, I want to be sensitive. I want to be connected. I want to draw on my commitment to you. And that's a beautiful thing, right? But it's limited. You know, if we have to draw just on my earnestness and my capabilities to love, as I've developed that capability, it's not going to move into some of these more difficult areas. And then secondarily, some people will say, no, God's at the center of our relationship. But what they're speaking to is when I made my promises to my spouse, 
I was making that before God, and he's going to hold me to it. Like he's going to be the arbiter <laughs> of whether I've been successful. And he'll remind me from time to time, I'm not pulling my weight. But yeah. also it, it tends to reinforce this notion with people with head bent down. You know, I just think I've really been a lousy husband. And maybe they have been. <laughs> but their acknowledgement of their loss or their failure does not empower them to do that which covenant can. So one of the things we were discussing this past week is that this remarkable construct, this vehicle of covenant, allows a covenant holder to be empowered by God, to love their spouse, not to the best of their abilities, but in a manner that is consistent with how God desires that individual to be loved. And so that's one of the first really powerful aspects is that I think it's difficult sometimes for people to take surveys of the limitations of themselves and their spouses and feel I've got to work better in that area. But it's, it's more challenging for them to recognize that it is he who creates in me both the will and the ability to do of his good pleasure. And the covenant is, a, is an remarkably robust uh, context to receive of him that which allows us to love the other. The other component of that is that that idea that all my needs are met according to his riches and glory. So that even though I may be looking for improvement in myself or my spouse, yes. ultimately the essence and the author and the finisher of my faith and the needs that I have, even in this covenant relationship are supplied by God. And again, sometimes it's difficult because we're looking to either improvement in ourselves or improvement in our spouse. And we're looking in these places for the manifestation and not being as sensitive to the fact that even in the aching and the breaking of my heart and my hope for improvement in these areas, all my needs truly are met by him. And then the third component, which I think is again, remarkable about covenant is that by loving others in this way, by looking to God to empower us to love the other, our own sense of identity is developed and revealed. There are qualities of our own lives that are again highlighted in ways that we would never even have known the richness or the depth if it weren't for the fact that we're opening our hearts to have him revealed in us as individuals wow. who are empowered to love others. And those again are, are, are remarkable qualities, but it's challenging for hearts to be oriented to the fullness of those capacities in our relationship with him. Yeah. You know, Al, just listening to you, obviously you're a, a very intellectual, very intelligent uh, person, a professional in, in this space. And, and I, I, I'm just, uh, the way you put that so eloquently, it's a beautiful thing, right? And marriage is a gift from God, right? And we have to cherish that. We have to work it and we have to put value on it. And not just, you know, kind of like you guys were talking about earlier, the transactional society that we're in. We sometimes we can just say, oh, we're throwing it away, you know, and, and, and that's really not what it is. It's, it's a gift from God. It's ordained. He knows. I mean, he flung the stars into, in, into the sky and he knows how many hairs are on our head. And, you know, he knows the outcomes of all these things. Right. He knows everything and he has the power and, and he has control. We don't have control. We just have to abide in his word and, in, in my humble opinion, do our best to be obedient in that fashion. And, you know, Joanne, I, 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 I was thinking back a, a second ago about the comment you were talking about how, um, you know, 
not, not, nobody's marriage is absolutely perfect, right? We see people, and I, I, th- I, I think about this quite often. Like, who are my role models? Like, who has the model marriage? And I, I have a hard time like putting my finger on that and saying that's the that, that's the ideal marriage, you know, because it, we we're inundated, especially in our society today, with um, the uh, you know the Instagram marriage, right? Here's this perfect perfect couple. They're beautiful and they take these fabulous vacations and they have this beautiful home and they have these wonderful jobs, and we're we're kind of sucked into that, I think, a little bit in in society, especially here in America, and. Um, you know, how do we, how do we realize and come to grips with what Al's saying that, that this, this is a beautiful manifestation of God's love, a marriage and, and, and being in, in communion with your partner. How do we um, kind of put these societal norms aside sometimes, or how to, I don't know if, even if that's the right question to ask, but you know, there's so much pressure in society of how to like have this perfect life, perfect marriage. What are some of your thoughts on that? Well, I think firstly, like discernment, because I think often what we see in social media or social media platforms, I mean, it's not, it's not truth. It looks uh, real though. It's not real. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, And I think the really, marriage is such a beautiful platform. Um, You know, and again, and I guess to to take a step back and and kind of off of some things that Al said there, like some things that you just questions you rose. Um, I think sometimes like when we're in it day to day, we're almost too close to it. You know, it's, it's a much, there's a much greater purpose for marriage, a much bigger picture. Um, And so often we're in the heart of it, like all this struggle, this struggle this morning or conflict this morning or this difficult month or this difficult year or, um, and I often encourage people to kind of just like widen the lens or to back up and to think of the greater purpose, the overarching purpose of marriage. Basically, it's two flawed people living in a broken world. Like it's it's set up to be a disaster, really. And I think a lot of times the, the intimacy, <laughs> the intimacy of marriage and and that covenant and that bond and the rawness and the transparency and the truth really is such an opportunity to grow. I mean, it, it sharpens us to increase patience, kindness. Um, it, it's just this beautiful stage to really um, make us basically more Christ-like. And, and we forget that. We get so caught up in just, yeah, proving our, even by probably proving to the world that we have a good marriage or that we're solid or, um, yeah, that's... but, but I think that that's kind of at the heart of it. it, it the, at the heart of what the truth is where the truth really lies is I think is the kind of the understanding of it. And again, going back to um, marriage is being a great platform to be more Christ-like, to be a better version of ourselves and to help our partner to be a better version of themselves. I mean, that's, that's kind of at the heart of it. All the other stuff is just, I don't know, fluff, I guess, for lack of. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I think that's great. You know, we, uh, Rebecca and I learned this uh, simple communication. It's our, our weekly temperature check. And every Sunday wow. evening, we, we go through this series of questions. And one of those um, questions, the one thing that I look forward to uh, a lot is, uh, is appreciations, where we, we start out the, 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 the talk with just telling each other what's on our heart at that moment 
of what we appreciate uh, and gratitude for each other. And that's really a beautiful thing. But then the other thing that I really enjoy about that talk uh, is the wishes, hopes, and dreams segment, you know, where you can really start thought, thinking about talking like, what, what, what are your hopes and dreams and your wishes, Rebecca? And, and she gets to hear my crazy ideas that I, you know, that I'm thinking about. And, and that's just a, it, that's a wonderful opportunity just to understand. And, 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 and granted, I am not the, the best communicator in a marriage. I, I, I'll give you that, but it's really neat to have a little framework where we can have those types of conversations, right? And you're not just winging it. You're not just going through life uh, as your marriage, just as roommates, right? I mean, I, I think about that a lot. And I'm, I, I've known people that have had marriages like that, you know, where they're just simply coexisting and, and really, um, you know, going back to what Al was saying there, that beautiful, eloquent uh, point that you were making about marriage and, and, and how it is a gift from God, basically. That's kind of the way I, I took that. I, I dumbed it down for, for those uh, who, who <laughs> Al, you were speaking very high level there, and I, I really appreciate that intellectual point of view. I, I think it was wonderful the way you framed that. But, but honestly, you know, um, you know, just having that, having that framework, having some practical steps. And I think you guys have shared quite a few things, right? You know, just in this short time we've, we've uh, spent with each other, Travis, what are some thoughts that you have uh, right now with regard to, um, you know, kind of communication um, and overall uh, just really, uh, you know, getting folks in, in union with each other as a relationship. Uh, what are some practical things that you think that, that folks can do to just kind of, I know, can't answer everything, but there's yeah. some thoughts you might have on that. Well, there, there, there are some things that I really, I think apply to everybody and probably every, every relationship. Um, you know, the, the use of I statements really go a long way. Yeah. Talk about that for a second. Yeah. So an I statement is, is it's really simple. And to be honest, like it's, it feels really weird saying them when you're not used to that kind of communication. Uh, I remember when I went to grad school and I started using them like around my, my parents and stuff. And they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> um, but they, they really do strengthen a relationship. Um, and an I statement, the simple structure is, you know, I feel blank when blank uh, happens. And I really wish that, you know, we could do this. Um, I use my wife in the dishes as an example all the time. Um, you know, I think, I think every marriage has its problems and ours like focuses around the kitchen a lot. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I could really like come in and, and I could say, you know, uh, uh, Nicole, like you don't do your dishes, you don't put your dishes away. And, you know, I come up to help cook dinner and I got to clean up before I do that and I had a long day and all this stuff. And it's really set me up for failure. And she's just, she's going to be defensive. I mean, because who wouldn't, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, but if, if I was able to use an I statement, it would sound something more like, uh, Hey, uh, I just wanted to, to share with you. I, I feel really anxious whenever I know like it's time to eat dinner and I come up and, uh, I got to get everything cleaned up before I can even start cooking. I would really like it if, you know, after breakfast in the morning, before we go to work, we could spend some time together to, to put everything away so that, you know, dinner can be smooth. Um, and it's, it's a hard thing to do to change the way you talk. Um, but it kind of takes that second to take a time out, take a step back and say like, okay, I don't want to fight. I know I don't want to fight for the next two hours before bed. Uh, so let me like, see if I can communicate this in a way where, you know, it'll be received and we can probably actually like have a productive conversation. 
That's awesome. I mean, that is just a, a simple framework. And I'm going to suggest that we put that on the, on the, uh, on the website. Is that little I, what, what's it called? An I statement? I statement. Yeah. An I statement. We'll put a simple framework there. Well, what a, what a game changer that could be just in the way that you approach a conversation, right? Part of my, uh, uh our weekly temperature check that I uh, was sharing with you guys. Uh, the second thing right after appreciations, uh, is we go through news, which is like our schedule for the week. And then we, we have puzzles and that is, um, I'm puzzled by, <laughs> 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 So I'm going to, I'm going to, I think I'm going to put that I statement in there, Travis. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. That's a great tip. I mean, what a great way to approach a simple thing, right? Because, and I don't know, Al, maybe you can step in here and talk a little bit about this, but it seems like sometimes those little things in, in a marriage, in any relationship, you know, um, even, even when you're dating somebody or engaged to be married, um, it could be the littlest thing. And it, it, a week later, you're still mad about it. You don't remember what the heck it was, right? I mean, is that, does that happen a lot in, in marriage? Is that kind of a common thing? It's, it's, it's you know, I'm very thankful where the spirit has directed this conversation. Um, <laughs> if, if, if you'll allow me, and I'm going to yes. continue on what Travis was sharing yeah. about the I statements. And I'll give you a very brief story of, of the situation, which was premarital where there was um, a gentleman and it would be his second marriage and he was um, in love with another woman. It was her second marriage as well. And his manner was very sensitive and compassionate and uh, just a very loving and caring gentleman. And the woman that he loved uh, really came and was strongly shaped in her professional approaches to the world and other people by this corporate idea that, you know, you don't get something for nothing. You know, if somebody has faulted you, you, you get in their face and you make them correct it. And she wasn't harsh, but she was very much steeped in this idea of, of um, just tit for tat, eye for an eye. And he recognized that as they were coming together in their union, there would be some challenges in navigating these things. And picking up on what um, uh, Travis was talking about, I statements, he was praying about the manner in which his heart could be prepared to address and move through this relationship with his fiance in a very you know, Christ-centered way. And as he was praying about this, the spirit directed him to a passage that we're very familiar with because it's read um, constantly and understandably at, at, at weddings and it's 1 Corinthians chapter 13, you know, the love chapter. And it starts by saying, you know, love is patient and kind. Or if you have a translation that's in King James, the charity is patient and kind. And everybody loves to hear that because it's giving us a description of love, the wow. agape, unconditional God kind of love. Yeah. Well, the long and short of it is this gentleman was prompted in his prayer to take out the word love and put in the personal pronoun I. And so this is what he would start to read. I am dear long and I am patient and kind. I am never envious, jealous, boastful, vain, or haughty. I am not conceited or rude, nor do I act unbecomingly. I do not insist on my own rights or my own way for I am not self-seeking and then on and on. Wow. And what really struck him is as compassionate and loving as a person he was, what he was now claiming and speaking was not within his own capability to will himself to do. And it really, for him, emphasized that first component of love. I receive of God these qualities to love another. And so he was praying this week, this way for a week. He left it on a three by five card. And then after he had prayed for a week, the spirit directed him 
to now I want you to insert your fiance's name. And so for argument's sake, let's say her name is Barbara. And so he would read this and again, and after you'd read it for himself, describing this for himself and recognize it was really in him through the Lord, he would say, Barbara endures long and is patient and kind, is never envious, jealous, boastful, or vain. And he got down to the part where it said, I do not, Barbara does not insist on her own way or her own rights, for she is not self-seeking. And he wept because he recognized, yeah, Barbara's not really all of that. (laughs) But he was advocating these same things that he received of God to love her. And he was advocating that the wife that he was soon to marry would receive the same as yeah, a covenant yeah. holder. Yeah, he's, after he's, that week of praying yeah. that week, that way she came to him and said, you know, I've got to ask if you've been praying for me. And he broke down wow. and he pulled out the three by five card. And he said, I've been praying this for myself and I've been believing and claiming this for you. Yes. He broke down and wept because she said, if you would have addressed me much as Travis was saying, if he had confronted his wife more directly about her inefficiency and cleaning up or whatever, that would not be particularly profitable. Yes, exactly. (laughs) But she read it and she said, truly, to know that you are advocating that you love me in this capacity and that God equips us to love one another, that's a game changer. And I'm not defensive. I'm aware that these are things that I'm desirous of the Lord to kind of work in me for his glory, Mm. for my fulfillment fulfillment and for the benefit of our union. And, you know, for me, this is a real world application of the things that we're encouraged and invited to offer, you know, our brothers and sisters to just really kind of connect to kind of indwell these places and, and just know the value and the glory of, of, of that process. Yeah, that that is awesome. Uh, what a what wonderful inspiration. I just love that example, real life example, Al, that you were able to give to proclaim into that marriage uh, for, from that uh, that spouse to, spouse to be. So, guys, as we uh, first of all, thank you. Oh, this has been an awesome conversation. I feel like we could spend another hour going uh, yeah. in lots of different directions. I I thought what we could do to to kind of wrap up is is uh, just go around the horn, uh, kind of speed uh, speed round here, and just give you your your all's uh, closing remarks and just maybe a, a piece of encouragement or uh, something of uh, to speak hope into um, marriage. Uh, and Joanne, I'd love to start with you, and then we'll go with Travis, and then Al will close out with you. Yeah. Um, I think just in general, there's just great hope. There's great hope in marriage. Um, I think we have a resource, a great resource in, in God, who is, um, the creator of of our, of our spouse. Like why, why not go to the creator himself to try to better understand creation? Um, and then I think we have great resources in one another, um, in the church, in people in the community who, really advocate for marriage. Um, so I just think that, I guess I'm going to end with that. Um, there's, there's, there's a lot of hope. There's a lot of hope for marriage. And if you're feeling that um, you're struggling in any way to just know that that's the majority of, of married people and try to reach out and be vulnerable and uh, be transparent um, with your, with your struggles and with truth. And um but again, there's a great, great resource in God and in a lot of members in this community. Love that. Thanks, Joanne. Travis. Yeah, I think um, to kind of put like a cap on what we've, what we've talked about, the hows and the whys. And there's, you know, there's the how, which I think is very much like treating the symptoms, you know, so like 
if we have resentment in a relationship and we use I statements to try to avoid that, you know, that's kind of like, that'll help with that symptom, but really the why, and, you know, Al talking about covenant and, um, you know, kind of the discussion of the, the literature from the Bible that really supports the why, why you, why you love your wife, why you love your husband, the way that you do, um, how that comes from God. Um, that is more, that is more long lasting than just dealing with the symptoms. And, uh, you know, again, to, to echo Joanne saying, um, you know, go out and, and, and talk to others too, you know, that there, that there are people that are willing to help. I always, I always say that, uh, people treat counseling like, uh, um, you know, if, if, if your marriage was a, was a car, you know, you would be getting regular maintenance and you'd be rotating the tires and getting an oil change and all these things to keep up with it. But unfortunately we get a lot of, a lot, a lot of our couples have the hardened heart and they're kind of, uh, they're at the point where they need like a full transmission change or something like that, you know, so they're coming in on a tow truck maybe. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. So use that analogy. if it's, if it's checking in once a week with your spouse, if it's, you yeah. know, checking in with other couples that, you know, uh, if it's going to your pastor, you know, just have the courage to go and put yourself out there and, and, and continue to have that regular maintenance in your, in your marriage. I love that proactive mindset. Thanks, Travis. Al. I was just echo the themes of my colleagues and, and just the idea that hope and support is far closer than you might assume. I think our travails and trials create a very insular sense that this is so uniquely burdensome. And it also creates the sense of, so it's my responsibility or my spouse's responsibility to, to fix it. And we've spent you know, really wonderful time trying to relieve people of that understandable burden and just open their hearts for the fellowship of, of, of the Lord, the, as, as you know, Travis describing it, to be able to know that it's not just the hows, it's the whys. And we can be oriented that in fellowship with our family, um, with the folks in our church community. And there are times where truly that objectivity um, and that clarity that can come from an independent individual who's willing to receive you as you are and, and just kind of minister the love of God in those places. It's just remarkable to know that's there. We're definitely in a culture where stigma about mental health or help seeking in any way is yeah. diminishing, which is awesome. Um, but unfortunately, there's still this strong sense that it's self-help. And I think to just open our hearts to recognize that the fullness of what I desire and need and desire for my spouse and my family really rests in him. And to, to know that and to just rely on that and rest in that is just an important thing that we need to impart into the hearts and the lives of our loved ones. Yeah, thanks, Al. That's uh, wonderful words of, words of wisdom to close out our time here today. I, I just want to thank our panelists for their time and their expertise on the subject of marriage today. Joanne Fry, she's a licensed professional counselor with Stillwater Counseling in Morgantown. Joanne, thank you so much. Thanks, Jim. Great stuff. Way to, way to bring your A-game today. Uh, <laughs> Al Kasperwitz is a licensed psychologist. He's also one of the co-founders at Stillwater Counseling. Al, thank you for, for being on, on our panel today. It's been a great pleasure, Jim. Thanks so much. Yeah, absolutely. Travis uh, Watson is a licensed professional counselor and clinician at Stillwater. Travis, thank you for your wisdom as well. Thank you, Jim. It's really great to be invited to this. And I uh, thank you and everyone who put it together. I think this is, uh, this is a really great thing.
Yeah, great, great. Uh, I, I, I echo that sentiment as well. And I want to thank you uh, for tuning into this episode of Real Life presented by Chestnut Ridge Church. And we want to encourage you to share this webinar with people in your life uh, that may be in, in need of hearing this word. And we'd love to invite you to check out the Ridge online services this Sunday as well and join us uh, for worship. And finally, I'd like to just say a few words in prayer, if you guys could just uh, bow your heads and uh, we'll close this out. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for Al and Joanne and Travis today, just their, their words of wisdom, Lord, just to, to, to speak into marriage and speak into individuals, uh, people who may be suffering in their, in, their, in their marriage right now, going through a tough time, uh, or those who are, are, are thriving in their marriage and, and having abundance and blessing in their marriage. All those spectrums are important, Lord, and we just uh, we know that you have control. You're an awesome God. Uh, you have a plan for each one of us, and we know that there is hope in you. We place our hope in you, and uh, we're just grateful for that and grateful for this opportunity to come together. It's those words that we speak in Jesus' name. Thanks again for watching Real Life. Uh, everybody, we're glad that you were able to join us. I'm your host, Jim Matuga, and remember, Jesus is the way to real life.